asked, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. When I give you the phrase girl dinner, what comes up for you? If anything, if you are on TikTok, you have seen it in your scroll, the girl dinner. And that's what this episode of Find Your Food Voice is all about. So welcome to episode 343. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, your host. And I have a fabulous uh, conversation that I'm going to be sharing with you in just a few minutes with Colleen Brebner and Rachel Poppick, who are on the Find Your Food Voice team. And we are talking about girl dinner. I just want to throw out there, like there's a lot of different connotations and interpretations, meanings behind girl dinner, and we unpack it all. So there is definitely some girl dinner connotations that have connections to restriction and eating disorders. And we are not promoting that at all. (laughs) And we unpack all those things to help you just to be able to kind of sit with us as we're discussing this and to be a part of the conversation. So I'm excited for you to hear it. And I wanted to also give you a book update. So if this is your first time listening to Find Your Food Voice, maybe you and I met at Fancy, the Food and Nutrition Conference, Food and Nutrition Conference and Expo, which is the Super Bowl for dietitians every year. And so maybe you met me there. And so you're checking out the podcast. Hey, it was great to meet you. Um, but if this is your first episode, you may not know about the Find Your Food Voice book that I am currently writing. And it is going to be coming out in January of 2025. So I am knee deep in writing and I'm about finished with chapter three which I'm super excited about. Um, I'm almost at 20,000 words. And so I have six or seven more chapters left. Kind of depends on how this shakes out. (laughs) Um, And it's been fun, but also like super challenging. The first chapter that I wrote, I was excited and I felt like the words just kind of poured out. But then as I got through chapter two, which unpacks a lot of like the systems of oppression, I felt it to be a lot harder. And I think also going to Fancy, that conference, it's a lot of extroverted time, which is fine with me. I love hanging out with folks, especially those who enjoy talking about food behavior. And a lot of dietitians that I see at Fancy every year have become like 
friends, like really good friends, like we're voxering back and forth all the time and stuff. So it's great to see people in real life, but it also leaves me with a bit of like a vulnerability hangover and I'm just tired. Like I came home with a cold. So with that all being said, um, I think it like made my writing self-doubt just even louder. Um, and so what I have been doing, I don't know about you, what, what you do when you are experiencing more self-doubt, but I try to like neutralize it and normalize it instead of like internalizing it as like a truth, the self-doubt. And so I've been listening to more podcasts, of course, because, you know, if you podcast, you like to listen to them as well. And I've been finding some conversations from writers who are basically talking about writing their 10th book and experiencing the same kind of self-doubt. So what I'm trying to say now to myself is like when I experience it, it to be like, oh, hey, self-doubt, I was waiting for you today. Kind of like take a seat um, and just kind of go on with my day. So that's where I am with this. If you would like to be a part of writing the book, I hope that you know you can be a part of it. Um, listening to this podcast and listening to the advertisers that are on this show helps to support um, me and the team as I'm writing the book because writing a book is its own full-time job. And um, you know it helps me to be able to like financially support me and the team as we're going through this. But also, you can be a part of the book like in the here and now by um, watching some TikTok lives. Like as I'm writing the book, I'm on TikTok um, live. And then if you would also like to be a part of writing the book and doing some co-working sessions with me and chat while we're in break, you can do that. Um, I'm hosting those over on Circle. And um, it's good. basically what we do is we um, co-work and I'm writing for 45 minutes. And then we take a 15 minute break and just chat. So you can join. It's just $5 a month to be a part of that. And you can go to julieduffydillon.com slash book to sign up for that. And then lastly, just like this podcast includes letters from food, not this episode, but um, that is the foundation of Find Your Food Voice, our listener letters that describe their relationship with food and um, their questions. And then I sift through it and food writes back at the end. Well, that's what this book is also including. And I would love to include your letter to food in the book. So we're going to put a link below in the show notes if you would like to submit your letter um, to food. And I'm excited for the chance. And if you're wondering like, what do I write about? Is, Is it okay if I have this different experience? Yes. We want as many different experiences and identities Um, different types of lived experience to be included in the book to help as many people as we can to help them find their own food voice. So again, you can get to staying up on my book writing journey at julieduffydillon.com slash book. You can also catch me on TikTok at foodvoicerd and submit your dear food letter. The link is below. All right, enough of all of that. We're going to get to my conversation with Colleen and Rachel about Girl Dinner in just a few moments, but a very quick word with our sponsor. My meal, I call this Girl Dinner. Girl Dinner. Girl Dinner. Girl Dinner. Girl dinner. Oh, goodness. Oh, I'll turn it off now. <laughs> I need to hear it twice. <laughs> Could you all hear that okay? Because I'm 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, we have to have that to start the conversation. And like I mentioned, I'm hoping it's not like trademarked and we don't have to pay a royalty for it because I wanted to start it with it. And unfortunately, now we're going to all have that in our head today. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Rachel and Colleen, to Girl Dinner Chat. Yeah, yeah. Girl Dinner. <laughs> Um, and just like a little behind the scenes for the listener, um, we have a Google doc that Rachel started for us just to like help with the conversation. And I was reading through it this morning and I was like, oh, wow, like there's a lot of different interpretations going on. Well, namely like my like interpretation of it that I mostly sit with is definitely different than what you all found in like a lot of the research and stuff. So, um, this will be really fun to unpack. Um, but I want to get started with um, my own like personal kind of like how I found Girl Dinner and what was kind of going on in my life. Um, and we'll kind of just go around and talk about that because we all have very different experiences. Um, and, you know, I found Girl Dinner, I think, in the late spring, early summer time of this year, 2023. And um, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you'll you'll know that that was also when I was like, getting ready to separate from my partner and in the summer is when we separated. And so what I found myself uh, experiencing were like this return to how I was eating sometimes before I was in a partnership. Um, I'll pack more of that later, but whenever my kids were staying with my ex-husband, like I didn't have to make food for a whole family. And so I was like, girl, did I? Like I was rocking it out and clearing out my fridge each night after they left. Um, but yeah, so when I hear that jingle, it is a, I, I don't know, it, it has a positive kind of connotation because it, I don't know, it has a symbolism of like freedom and things like that. But I know I'm not the norm. <laughs> But Rachel, <laughs> tell me about your, like how you found Girl Dinner. Um, so my husband is like perennially on TikTok and like, Love just, him. you know, <laughs> quoting TikToks randomly. And so he started singing the girl jingle, the girl dinner jingle. And I was like, what is this? And he's <laughs> like, you haven't seen it yet. It's a trend. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then, so then he showed me a bunch of girl dinner TikToks and then, you know, like the algorithm works, then my whole feed was just like yes. gold in our TikToks. Um, and they started with kind of, I think, closer to where the trend started, which was kind of a freeing, like almost, you know, I, I think it's Nigella Lawson, who's a, a chef who calls it like picky bits. Like that was her thing for a long time, which is <laughs> picky bits. The same, That's cute. the same concept, like, you know, <clears throat> just taking whatever you have in the fridge and throwing it on a plate and that's your dinner and it's casual and stress-free. But within like, I don't know, a few days of girl dinner videos popping up on my feed, I started to see like girl dinner videos that were like, here's some ice cubes on a plate and it's a joke, but like uh, mm -hmm. someone who has a past of, of disordered eating, I was like, that seems like I could see this getting problematic really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, which kind of led me down a little bit of a Google research hole of, of kind of differing opinions on what girl dinner can mean and how um, 
diet culture so often takes things that are like fun and freeing mm-hmm. and a little like lighthearted joke and just shoving them back into that that diet culture restricting bubble. So, all right, yeah, I'm excited to unpack all of this. Nice. So, Colleen, tell us your experience with yeah. dinner. The thorough experience. my experiences. <laughs> Yeah, I have zero experience with girl dinner. Um, No, I did some research, of course, in preparation for our discussion today, but I don't have TikTok. I'm like solely on Instagram. So this is not something that has popped up on my Instagram feed. Um, So I've just been looking at kind of these articles that Rachel shared um, and looking through, you know, watching TikToks off of Google (laughs) to see like what they're all about. Um, and yeah, it's been interesting and I have a lot of opinions as well coming from like the not knowing about it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when you like, what was your initial impression? Like when you just saw a couple of them, were you like, that's stupid or like, oh, that's cheeky. I don't know. Like what was your reaction? If any, at first, like my initial gut reaction was like, oh, I feel like this is one of those, like, D- dietitian day in the life things kind oh, of like oh, that's what that, I compared oh, I it to in my heart so oh. yeah sorry Julie um <laughs> I know that that's not like something that you have like you know been like a huge part of as a dietitian but no, like, I'm like you know those that. things yeah. that are yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, those things that are like, this is my, I'm a dietitian and this is my plate for the day. Like that was a little bit yeah. mm. the only comparison that I had to girl mm. dinner. Um, so that was my initial like, ooh, this feels cringy. But um, I yeah. also like, as I watched more of them was like, okay, but I can also see like both sides of the coin, right? Like mm-hmm. I can also see this being like, cause I have done it too. Like it's relatable. It's relatable. I think to a lot of people um, and I'll say people like, cause I think it's not just women or girls yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I think that it's relatable because yeah, like, you know, when my partner travels, I'm not cooking a full meal for one person. Like Mm -hmm. I, especially if I don't feel like it, like I'm, I'm going to the fridge and doing that same Mm -hmm. thing. So I, I think that like another part of it was like, wow, we all have this shared experience, which Mm -hmm. is also really cool. I just typed out the phrase full meal that you said, because I think that's a big part of the conversation. And can mean yeah. so many different things. And especially as like someone who's like really digs food behavior and just like gets into like the rabbit holes of all the nuance of it. Um, I find, yeah, that phrase is just really interesting. But before we kind of get into that, because I do want to unpack that part. Um, let's go through the problematic sides of girl dinner. And I want to do that first because... Um, I think it's important just to name those from the get-go and um, make sure the listener knows that we are not the type of like nutrition podcast that does say like, this is what we eat in a day because like that's (laughs) very, um, well, first of all, that like, what does that matter? And that varies so much and we aren't you. (laughs) We we all have our different needs, right? Um, But yeah, like the the problematic parts of it... um, like thinking of that phrase full meal, um, I can even see how interpreting that to mean like, well, when I'm not eating with other people or preparing food for other people, I don't need as much. Like I can see how the tide can turn in that direction. Is that what you all Mm -hmm. are thinking about or like how it turns for you guys to go into that 
place of the problematic sides of girl dinner? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that. And I also think it's the 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 glorifying, even if it's not, I do this when, you know, my my partner is away or my, my kids mm-hmm. are away or I'm alone. Just that kind of glorifying and highlighting of eating less than a full meal or like, you know, mm-hmm. what would... Mm-hmm what some would consider a snack, but saying like, this is my meal, this is my dinner. Um, And just Mm -hmm. how quickly that can slide into like an eating disorder or disordered Mm -hmm. eating habits. Yeah. You know, the part that I can see the, the path turning in that direction is highlighting like the initial one with like a glass of wine was a part of it. Like with Mm -hmm. the first person who's like recorded that jingle. Um, And it reminds me of when I worked with people one-on-one and a lot of people that experienced um, like drunkorexia type of, I don't know if that's a term that is still even used, but like people wanting to like just drink and not eat um, and drinking alcohol. And that's where I could see so much of the girl dinner going in that direction of like, let me eat a little bit and just get drunk. Um, which I'm like, oh, and there was a, um, a filter on TikTok where it's one of those ones where like it flips up different choices and one of them's a girl dinner and it flips up three different choices. And I was like, I'm going to find it until it's like, it matches something that I would choose. And every single one had out of the, the three, it was like two of them were alcohol. And I was like, no, I don't want to have any alcohol. I'm like, I, they gave me, because we've got migraines. I can't drink. So like, um, and it was like sugar cubes and um, sweet wine and tequila or something. Like it just kept doing that. I'm like, oh no, this is not what girl dinner is. But it is for some people, I guess, like, or some people's interpretation, but um, kind of gone on a rant there. But Colleen, uh, what do you think about all that? Anything coming to the top of your mind about like the problematic sides of it. I just think it's interesting that uh, even when I was talking about it, like I used the words full meal versus Mm -hmm. like what I really meant was like a prepared, like structured Mm -hmm. meal. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. like, you know, even just in that like language choice, it's like, oh, interesting. That's interesting that that was like the first thing out of my mouth. Um, Because that's really, you know, what I think about when when I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about dinner options and, and different households are different, right? Like some people, dinner happens to be our like largest, most prepared meal Mm -hmm. in our household. Um, so it takes the kind of most planning and the most like coordinating with my partner on, you know, whose responsibility and what, what's that person going to be in charge of and things like that. But a lot of households are different and dinner might be the, you know, maybe a a lighter meal or not as structured. Um, And so I think that's also, I don't know if that's problematic per Mm -hmm. se, but I think it's something to consider as we like think about girl Mm -hmm. dinner. Yeah, I think it's like, uh, it brings up a lot of um, themes that we've all kind of been programmed to believe about what it means to be socialized as girls or women. And yeah, like when, we're alone versus when we're partnered or the family. Like, I think it brings up a lot of things that like we probably have hidden away or that's just like mm-hmm. subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, with that being said, any other problematic things that you're thinking about that come up for it or like thinking about girl dinner? 
I think the other thing that I kind of mentioned, uh, I touched on a little bit, like by saying like people, you know, is yeah. just this thought about like gendering dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, this trend and others, I've seen a lot on Instagram about like boy and girl math, mm-hmm. um, which yes. I think are like uh, hilarious too. Like I, I mm-hmm. know that like some of them are really funny, but I also feel like it's kind of playing into some of the more stereotypical like Mm-hmm. Things that, you know, have existed in our society for centuries. So, um, yes. you know, when when it's speaking specifically to, like, the girl part of dinner, it's, it's kind of playing more into, I think, these reflection of gender stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ra- Rachel, what about you? I, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And I think some something that I just, I want to share, mostly because it's still kind of, rattling around in my head as I was doing research. Um, one of, I think it was an NBC um, news clip that I watched um, said that within, if a, if a teenage girl, you know, when you sign up for, for TikTok or social media and you, you click like, this is your age range, this is your gender. So like, if you are mm-hmm. joining the platform as someone who falls within that range, within eight minutes of scrolling on TikTok, that person is fed eating disorder related content. Like it only takes eight Mm -hmm. minutes on the app to start feeding Mm -hmm. that. And it can be as subtle as these, like, you know, the girl dinner trend where, Mm -hmm. where it's, it's a glass of wine and a few cubes of cheese, but that like gets in your head. And I remember back when I had, you know, I was actively in my disorder eating phase and, I know, Colleen, you you alluded to the the dietitian kind of what I eat in a day, and that for me specifically, like the dietitian ones, the celebrity ones, the influencer ones, like back then, YouTube was like the popular platform. But I would watch those videos and be like, if I just ate like this, mm-hmm. ignoring the fact that all of these people have massive amounts of resources, time, money, etc that like I will be skinny like this is kind of the 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 thing that I am like reaching towards perfecting and those were mm. also the most kind of triggering things to show up when I was in recovery and so just kind of uh relating that experience with a similar you know slightly different but similar like highlighting meals sort of way to girl dinner I can see how it quickly you know can become triggering or upsetting for someone who's struggling with with an eating disorder. Yeah, it's too easy to like go into that compare mode and look at it as like a way to perfect um, or a way to trick. Like that's what I think about like the the side of it that um, can very quickly um, add to that disordered eating is that side of like, well, I can figure out a way to eat less. This is a way to do it. Like uh, so many tools of, of diets are like, this is a way to make sure that you're eating as little as possible. And, you know, that's what the, the three of us are like, so against that, like, no, we want to make sure you're getting enough. Like that's, um, and the trap of girl dinner being, yeah, this is another tool to make sure you're not eating too much. And that reminds me so much of like, and I, I don't even know if magazines like People or things that are like like that still have those articles like what 
I don't know, it features like some B-list celebrity like eats in a day. And um, it's hilarious because it's always the same stuff, you know, like um, yeah, baked salmon with a sweet potato and a seasonal vegetable is always on there, usually at dinner, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, which is also what I'm eating with other dietitians, oftentimes what they order when they go out to eat. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm getting a hamburger and fries and they're just going to fucking deal with it. <laughs> But um, anyway, that's what that reminds me of too, is like, is those kinds of um, people magazine features on people. I'm like, oh my gosh, like one, yeah, these are people with lots of resources Two, Not everyone's eating the exact same thing every day. Like their publicist or their person's publicist assistant just wrote out what they ate in a day. You know, it wasn't even something that was probably even real. Um, and this is the amount that a toddler needs, you know, so not a grown ass person. Um, <laughs> yes. So that would be the thing I think for anyone listening, who's like, I don't know, like I, part of, um, wanting to talk about this was like, it sounded fun, but also like, how can this be something that could be, um, powerful or helpful and not harmful. And one of them is probably like having in your brain, this is a tool or something fun to make sure I'm eating enough, not yes. how can I make sure that I'm eating as little as possible? Um, I guess that would be the big thing that I would like, one of the big things I would hope someone to take away from this, but I kind of wanted to move into a spot where we unpack a little bit of like intersectional feminism that comes into play with some people's discussions on your girl dinner, but any other problematic things that we haven't unpacked that, um, cause that was something that it was on my radar, but like not why I'm obsessed with girl dinner. But yeah. Um, the thing that I resonate a lot with again, cause of the season of life that I was in and probably also who was in my TikTok algorithm. Um, like I have lots of intersectional feminists that are in my algorithm interspersed with um, dog videos and this one person who just is like an inter- inspirational person who's like, you're going to have a great day, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> which is like a fabulous algorithm. I don't want to fuck with it. <laughs> um, but so much of what I was um, hearing from folks about Girl Dinner was how some folks were like, this is a great way to connect with like before, um, again, very gendered language, socialized as women, folks who, who are now like primary caretakers and holding on to a lot of the emotional labor in a house or all of it, you know, um, having a moment where you can eat whatever the fuck you want and not do the emotional labor for anybody and just do what you want. Like that was some of the things that they were shining a light on. And of course, as someone who's like newly divorced, I'm like, I'm eating that shit up. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, um, and I know the two of you hear this all the time and listeners too, but I just don't really enjoy cooking. And I've been thinking a lot about that, like how this has become a part of like, even almost at 50 now. I can imagine as a teenager or like someone who's going through college that doesn't enjoy cooking, but like, why do I still not like it? Which it may just be that it's just not my thing, whatever. Um, but I am like a food person. Like I talk about food all the time. And one of the things that I kind of paused on is like, I wonder if it's like just the emotional labor of like 
preparing food for everybody and like the expectation that that was a part of my partnership um in order for the family to like run smoothly i needed to do that and the expectation of what dinner would look like with uh in a hetero couple and some of these are probably like unsaid expectations but also sometimes said of like having a meat and a starch and a vegetable. Um, And I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like cooking. And so when I um, have found myself by myself, I'm not cooking, even though like I enjoy those things, but I'm like, I'm going to make whatever I want. Um, And a lot of times it's like, what's in the fridge that needs to be eaten? Let me throw that on the plate, (laughs) you know? Um, And yeah, doing doing it without holding on to all this extra like labor, um, I don't know. So I don't know how that lands with the two of you. Cause I know we're in different seasons, but I think that's kind of the cool part of it. Um, I don't know. Does any of that trickle in there and any interest or is it kind of like, yeah, no, I don't see it that way. Um, I mean, I can, I can speak to like our household a little bit, but I feel like what we do is we have like planned meals that we cook together during mm-hmm. the week that we mm-hmm. know like this is going to be a joint responsibility. Yeah. Um, and then we have like meals that we each like are like, okay, I'm going to lead this one or like, mm-hmm. you know, my partner is going to lead this one. And then we also have a day that's like a fend for yourself day. That's yeah. like, yeah. like kind of this idea of like, mm-hmm. hey, like we're not going to have any sort of structure. Like we both need you know, a mental break from dinner or like making plans for dinner. So we're going to do like, you know, either Mm -hmm. a leftover day or like a free for all day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Rachel, are you in a similar kind of place? Although you, you love cooking. I mean, that's the thing that's different too. Yeah. I mean, it's so in that way, it's different because I love cooking and I get so much joy out of cooking and my husband and I don't necessarily have as much structure as, as Colleen and her partner do. Um, but we do, you know, share the load. But the the thing that I Mm -hmm. was thinking of when, when you were talking, Julie was as someone who used to be really restrictive and rigid in my eating and my cooking and my, my planning for food, the idea of girl dinner or picky bits or, you know, kind of not planning your meal and, and preparing or cooking a meal is kind of really freeing in some ways because it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not some like rigid thing that I have set in my mind. It's just like, I'm going to open the fridge and see what looks good and Mm -hmm. not as much as I love cooking and it brings me joy. I mean, it is a, it's a physical activity that does, you know, spend energy. And sometimes I don't want to do that. And so there is something freeing about permission to just open the fridge and see what speaks to you and throw it on a plate Mm -hmm. and be nourished Mm -hmm. and satisfied. I'm so glad you named it as like a physical activity. You know, I think Mm -hmm. I'd never heard someone call it that, but duh, yeah, like it is. It's like, uh, especially thinking about when we've done those retreats and, um, you know, if, if a listener's like, what are you talking about? Like in PCOS Power, um, whenever we have cohorts, we'll do like a retreat during it where um, Rachel takes people through like anti-dieting kind of meal prep. And so we're all like on our feet in front of the stove and it's exhausting. Like we're all, everyone on the team is like spent. 
afterwards. <laughs> but it also is like, that was great. But we're, you know, happy, tired in a sense. Um, you know, the thing that um, comes up for me as I think about it a little bit more, um, and you bring up like a really um, important part of almost like intuitive eating or non-diet kind of um, accessibility like having girl dinner in a way that is a, um, something that's enough food um, would first person would have need to have access to enough food and then also have access to like interceptive awareness of like hunger and fullness to kind of help direct what they're wanting to eat. And that's, you know, not everyone's experience. Um, but there is a part of like the anti-diet world, especially with caregiving and um most importantly, like younger children, where there's this division of responsibility. I don't know if you all have ever heard of it, but Ellen Satter is the name of this mm-hmm. dietitian who's in her mid-70s, I think at this point. She's also a therapist. But her division of responsibility is all about how to like help kids to grow up to have a relationship with food that is like neutral or positive, you know, and, and just um, not diet focused and um, helps their body just kind of do what it's supposed to do instead of like trying to be rigid with it. And one of the things she has is this division of responsibility where um, parents decide when is eating time and how much food or not how much food, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Parents decide when um, eating time is and what the choices are and the kids decide how much, if at all, they're going to eat. And what I think about of like the emotional labor of like cooking, what it became, especially as I had kids, like I think that was the big point. And and they were more than like bottle feeding or chest feeding. Like they were like eating food from the table, you know? Um, there was this expectation of, a lot of the expectations is from me too, of like, there needs to be all the food choices. Like there needs to be all these things. So then the kid can then choose from what they want instead of just making what they want. Like that's a big part of it. It's just you as a family decide what you're going to eat, but the kid decides how much of it all. So you're not like a short order cook. And I can see how in like, uh, I don't know, in a lab setting that is perfect and wonderful and helps a person have a relationship with food that is going to be purely their own. And it is taxing, like you said, Rachel, like it's taxing to be the one who's making all of those decisions. Like that's the emotional labor part that I have like been so into like reading about right now, but then also like the physical labor of like preparing a a meal and um, that's a lot. And so for folks who are trying to raise kids without dieting, they may find that too of like, it's a lot of work if you're the primary caregiver and you have to make all these decisions, prep all this food. And so when you don't have that <laughs> responsibility, it may feel like a ton of weight off your shoulders. And I, I think that's what I, this summer was like experiencing for the first time. And, you know, my kids are 15 and almost 11. So it's been a while <laughs> you know, when I didn't have this kind of emotional and like physical labor do- that I was doing every day, many times a day. So, um, yeah, like unpacking all that is really helpful because I'm like, wow, what a like interesting, different like way of looking at this and, um, why I'm excited about it and how like many other people are like, Ooh, 
cautious about it. Um, and I don't know if there's a way to like move the concept of like less emotional, la- emotional labor and physical labor responsibilities. Um, but that's where like a lot of feminists were talking about, like, this is shining a light on how so many, um, care- caretakers and like primary caretakers are the women in a hetero relationship. And, um, how that leads to like fucking burnout. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, what I, I had put on here, like girl dinner, symbolism, independence, freedom, matriarchal society. Like, <laughs> cause something that I have been doing is like, why not just make the dinners that I want to make that are less taxing if, when I am with my kids. And so um, there's been a lot more use of like an air fryer if I'm going to heat something up. But also a lot of like, I don't know, just a lot less like super prepped stuff that are like take a long time to in the oven and stuff. And I'm like, I feel so much, I have so much more energy because of that. So, um, so yeah, I don't know if that's uh, how that resonates with the, with the two of you or any reaction before kind of moving on. Any Any thoughts on your end? I'm just really glad that girl dinner happened at a time when it was like the perfect time for your, for you and your, <laughs> yes. and your experiences yes. and what you're going through. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, and thank you for like entertaining, like my wanting to discuss it and like helping, um, me and the listener too, to like, just explore the nuance of it and food and like how we relate to food for those of us who've been socialized as women, um, there's a lot that like to unpack with it, you know, there's just a lot that we've had to hold on to. And, um, hopefully we can change the more we kind of like name it. I also want to say too, like with TikTok, where girl dinners kind of started, um, once it was filtering through Instagram, which my 15 year old is not on TikTok, but is on Instagram, the way she was describing it, they were like, describing it the way you all just described it, you know, of like, it just seems like a way to eat less, mom. And she's like, why would you like this? <laughs> like, thank you. I'm glad that you noticed that. <laughs> um, but I think that's also like the difference in how like trends kind of can get filtered through too, is like Instagram versus TikTok. But, but yeah. Um, and listener, if you're not on, if you're on TikTok, follow me, Food Voice RD. And Rachel, what's your... Um, handle on TikTok? Stay Doughy on both TikTok and Instagram. And bot. Okay. And Colleen, what's your Instagram? I can't remember it. Mine is abroad abroad. Awesome. <laughs> well, we'll be sure to put all of them in the show notes. So follow along with us there. And hey, thanks for um, talking about Girl Dinner. I appreciate you too. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Bye. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation all about Girl Dinner with Colleen and Rachel. And before I sign off, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And I look forward to catching up with you next week. Next week will include a listener letter. So I look forward to reading that letter and sharing the letter back from food. If you have not written your Dear Food letter for season nine of Find Your Food Voice, or you would like to submit a letter to be included in the Find Your Food Voice book, click the link below in the show notes and you can do do just that. 
All right. So I look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Brebner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care.